1: Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
2: Good morning to you. Am I annoying yet with my countdown to USA versus Iran? I have to start saying it right, too. I generally do change how I say it from day to day, not on purpose. I'm just sometimes I say it the way I hear other people say it, and sometimes I say it a different way. And so as you'll hear coming up this hour, there was a reporter from Iran who corrected Tyler Adams in his pronunciation, and the class with which Tyler handled himself was role model worthy. This is a young guy. I think he's 22 years old. And he is the captain with no World Cup experience before they got to Qatar. And he has impressed me at every turn. Certainly the way he's played, the speed of Tyler Adams was on display uh, going back to their game against England. Uh, but also the the leadership. You see him talk to his teammates, rally his teammates, keep his teammates going. It's obvious what Greg Berhalter sees in Tyler and why Tyler is the captain. So that's on the schedule for this hour. Also, we'll do... You know what? We'll take a little bit of time to look at the Denver situation because one of the burning questions about the last six weeks of the season is what can be done about the Broncos' offense? What can be done about the Broncos in general? And I'll explain as we get to that coming up in, say, 18 minutes here on the show. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. We're live from the Rocket Mortgage Studios. Whether you're looking to purchase a new home or refinance yours, Rocket Mortgage can help you get there. For home loan solutions that fit your life, Rocket can. So please find me on Twitter, Radio, or if you'd like to vote, actually, you can not an or, you have to pick. You can vote uh, by going to my Twitter or our show Twitter, After Hours CBS, TD of the Week. I love the responses we're getting already on both Twitter and Facebook. It's great. It's a popular poll that we do every week, as is Mortification Monday. Which I think the poll is probably just wrapping up now, but you can always check. We'll go back and we'll reveal uh, those results to you. But you can always uh, find their, those polls on our show Twitter. We generally pin the most recent to the top of the Twitter account. And also on our Facebook page, it's easy to scroll, scroll, scroll your boat gently down the stream. Oh, scroll, scroll, scroll your boat gently down the feed. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I am a weirdo. I had to get up early for the dentist on Monday. So I guess that prepared me for getting up early for the soccer game on Tuesday. Do you want to know what torture is? Having to wake up early and not being able to drink coffee. That is torture because I, I only woke up with some, the dentist is in my town. So I didn't have to go very far. It was only a mile, but I didn't want to have to drink coffee. Well, I didn't want to have to brush my teeth after I drank coffee. And so I just went to the dentist and and didn't drink coffee. I'll go. What's the difference though? They're cleaning my teeth, I guess. So they should. Yeah. I guess I, in retrospect, there was no need to worry about it, but I didn't feel like it was right to go with coffee breath. So nice of you, (laughs) but I'm sure they've smelled worse.
3: Oh, I'm, I guarantee it.
2: Yes. And so I had to walk the dog, feed the dog, get in the car, drive, all of that without coffee. Then, this is a true story, it's still required at my dentist's office to fill out a COVID screening and to wear a mask. And I just assumed that I had one in my car. I forgot about that mask burning party. I did not have one in my car. So I also had to call up. You still have to call before you're allowed to walk in the door.
3: That I I nowhere really that I've seen the last what no. couple months have year have done that
2: I spent the weekend with two hundred people we were all kind of jammed in all just we were sharing a couple buildings and sharing meals and I I did, I don't no one mentioned it no it's it doesn't seem as though at least the people I was hanging out with that uh, it's a concern anymore but at my particular dentist office you still have to go through all these steps so when I called up I said hi I'm here in the parking lot. It's 2020. <laughs> uh, I do not have a mask. Sorry, I don't keep one in my car anymore. And she said, Oh, don't worry, I have a mask for you. So I walk upstairs. I open the door. And she right away hands me oh the mask. Gosh. I know. It's
3: real intense about it. So at
2: the, at, I probably didn't need to worry about coffee breath because I was wearing a mask <laughs> until I got into The funny part is, you take off the mask when you walk into the. Get your teeth cleaned.
3: doesn't make sense. Yeah, to put it on just to take it off when they're working, when they're as close as they can be.
2: However, can I tell you a really cool story that made up for the fact that I had to sit there in the lobby with a mask on? There was a gentleman who was in the back getting his teeth cleaned or talking about his teeth with the, the actual dentist. And he was talking really loudly because... He was older. <laughs> Maybe that's not why. Maybe he just has no indoor voice like me. Uh, who am I to talk about loud voices loud noises! or loud noises? Anyway, he he was. I could tell he was an older gentleman just by the way he was speaking. Uh, They were recommending to him that he get a root canal and he was asking for a recommendation. He was trying to understand what it was that he had to have done. And so they were answering all his questions. But out in the lobby, I could clearly hear everything that he said uh, because he was speaking more loudly. So the man walks out into the lobby and he's getting ready to leave the dentist's office. And the the woman at the counter says, oh, you forgot your coat. He was going to walk out without his coat. And when he spun around to find his coat, he made a joke about how he was getting old. And then he said, actually, I'm already old. (laughs) And I realized he had a hat on that said U.S. Army veteran. Not only did it have several pins on it, but it also had Vietnam and Korean War printed on it. And so I said to him, even before I saw his hat, you're not old. My grandmother lived to be 100, and she wasn't old. And he said, oh, I'm getting there. And I responded with something along the lines of it. just means you're getting there slow, more slowly. It, it, take your time. And then I saw his hat, and I said, thank you for your service. And he was talking when I said it, and I just felt so strongly about saying it again. So I repeated it. Thank you for your service to our country, sir. And he said to me, I was just a 19, 20-year-old kid. That was 60 70 years ago it was just it was this kind of introspective moment that i i don't know i just felt like he was remembering and even as he was saying that i was a 19 and 20 year old kid that was a long time ago but still it was an honor for me to be able to meet him and also to thank him because you don't very often run across men or women uh, who fought in those wars certainly world war ii is even more uncommon to run across veterans who are still alive though I have before Uh, and it's it's such a privilege so yeah it was it was really neat so worth it to wear the mask to be able to speak to this 80 something year old veteran who was who was really sweet and I don't recall if he said thank you I think he just responded with man that was a long time ago as a 19 year old kid yeah, interesting. That's tremendous. It was. It was really it was really cool just to to be able to interact with him and tell him thank you. So I hope he heard me. I think he did because I don't think he would have mentioned that it was so yeah. long ago if he had He heard, heard. you. Yeah. yeah. It's after hours here on CBS Sports Radio. Uh, speaking of interaction, Lamar Jackson had a moment of indiscretion in his interaction with a I don't know if I could call it a fan on Twitter. That I'm sure he regrets, though we haven't yet heard from him. But it was out of character for him, to be sure. Generally, Lamar is upbeat. He's positive. We know that he does so much in the community. Do you all remember the video that went viral a couple weeks ago where he agreed to show up in a conference room? It looked like it was a hotel of some sort. And surprise, a young fan. I think the little boy was eight Brady, if I remember correctly, little boy was eight. And as Lamar comes through the door, this little boy grabs him and embraces him and really can only reach up to his waist, right? But Lamar is hugging him and talking to him and laughing. And he spends time with this young man to encourage him. He's battling some health challenges. And what an amazing moment for Lamar and we don't see all of those, right? Every now and then they're on social or the team will promote uh, these interactions or these, you know, these, I guess opportunities in the community where players will interact with, say, cancer patients or children's hospital patients. This was something that uh, Lamar didn't have to do and he took his time to do it. and that's that's who he is. But also, I love hearing from him. He's pro Ravens, he's pro teammates. He, even when he's upset at himself, he usually keeps it pretty upbeat and always clean. Now, I'm not with Lamar personally, obviously. And so I don't know how he speaks away from a microphone or away from the field. But what I do know is that he generally interacts as though he's above the fray. Until Sunday, he no doubt was upset and frustrated at the way the Jaguars were able to come back and win. Not necessarily just on the defense. Certainly there were missed opportunities for Lamar and the offense as well. And a fan tweets him or t- tweets. Now, if you don't want the quarterback to know, well, then you don't include his Twitter handle. It's amazing to me how people tweet directly at athletes. Just, I, it, it blows me away. Why can't you just keep your opinions to your own Twitter and not include an athlete? It's embarrassing. I'm I'm so embarrassed by people who do this. But it was a response. Lamar responded to a guy who essentially said that the Ravens should let him walk when the season is over and not give him the money. Lamar and I cannot repeat it all. Used some inflammatory words and language and insulted the fan. By saying you never have smelt a football field, shut the bleep up, um, and and a couple of other inflammatory phrases. You know, I, I can only speak for me. I did not believe that it was a homophobic tweet in any way. Uh, I saw some headlines that labeled it that way and labeled it as an anti-gay slur. Again, I can only speak for me. But it did not in any way, appeared to be that type of a response from Lavar, but I'm not going to absolve him. It was certainly anti-inflammatory. It, I'm sorry, it was certainly inflammatory. It was certainly not him living his best life, uh, and definitely was rude. It was rude, and and I say this a lot. There's a double standard for public figures on Twitter. I'm public figure like Z level. I'm nowhere near Lamar's level of profile or popularity. But I know that there are separate rules that exist for those of us who have a platform and those of us who are in the public eye. And Lamar lost his cool and he responded in a moment of anger and frustration and then later deleted the tweet. But it was too late, obviously. It had been screenshotted. It had been retweeted it had been seen by millions of people before he could take it down again this doesn't seem like the Lamar that we know and that's exactly what we were hearing from John Harbaugh on Monday
4: I just talk to these guys we talk a lot we we talk a lot about football but we also talk a little bit about that stuff too you know what goes on in terms of the media and everything and and really, you know, it's, it just beg guys not to, you know, not to get into the Twitter world right after the game, especially after a loss. It's never going to be positive. It's not going to be a nice place, you know? And uh, I think that's kind of reflected in, in Lamar's response because what he said was just so out of character for him. That's not the way he speaks, it's not the way he talks, it's not the words he ever uses. I've never heard him say things like that before. But like, we talk, like you said, Bo, he wants to win. You know, I'm sure he's frustrated, just like we all are, and uh, that's just a place you just don't want to live right after a game. Lamar Jackson, you know, you've been around him. He's got one of the biggest hearts of anybody I know. You you all have seen him, the way he treats people, the way he treats kids, the way he treats the media, you know, and uh, and he's also one of the biggest competitors I've ever met. So those kind of conversations, he takes very seriously, you know. So you get trapped sometimes by someone that's baiting you just a little bit, and you can't you can't you can't live there. It's not important.
2: I appreciate that so much from the Raven's head coach. And when I am asked about social media by young broadcasters or young people that I mentor, now it, it applies more to broadcasting, or there is that element that pertains to this Lamar situation. I remind them that. Many people on social media are just looking for a response. That's what they want. They're trying to get you to respond. Otherwise, they wouldn't be sending you their comments that are rude and uncalled for and just generally uh, the type of comments they would never say to your face. I remind young people, young broadcasters, that person gets no pub. Unless you retweet him or you reply. He and his eight followers, she and her six followers, are essentially a dead end. That tweet, that rude comment, it's dead in the water if you don't respond to it. And here's the kicker. People don't know if you see their tweets unless you respond to them. I still, on a daily basis, get such rude comments. People are, they're just rude. When there's no accountability and they believe they're anonymous, they will say anything. Very often, and I don't do it anymore. I just, I ignore it now and mute people like I'm, it's going out of style. But very often if you respond to someone or you quote tweet them and reply, they delete it before long because they can't handle the heat. They don't like getting called out by other people on social media. They don't want to be in the spotlight. What they wanted was to get under your skin. What they wanted was to be a jackass. But once the spotlight's turned on them and people are coming after them, they often melt and cave and disappear. I've even had people not only block me because I responded to their rude tweets, but delete their tweets and then lock their accounts so that nobody can come after them. It's cowardly, right? Again, when you, have, you believe you're anonymous and you believe there's no accountability, people generally will allow their true colors to come out. And Lamar messed up by responding. In a moment of frustration, anger, he took it out on this tweeter. And I certainly understand that. I'm not telling you I've never done it. There are times in the past where I have replied to someone and then deleted it, hopefully before they saw it. And my general rule of thumb is do not reply to a troll, period. There is absolutely nothing that he or she can say to me that I haven't already heard. And what's to come of it? What positive could ever come of responding to someone who comes at you with something like this? Nothing. There's no positive. And in fact, you're the one who's going to be held accountable, not that other person. So I'm not really faulting Lamar because I understand. It's just that there is a double standard on social media for public figures. It's why I never talk politics or in general, never get into serious discussions with people on social because there's no, people can take what you write and twist it into something that you never intended it to be. And not to mention, you can't defend yourself as a public figure. You cannot defend yourself. It's like sharks circling for chum on social media. It's it's a cesspool. And people are out there just waiting for public figures to screw up so that they can get their five seconds of fame. And so that's what happened with this particular fan. He got Lamar to respond. He incited Lamar to respond. And it's a tough lesson to learn, but I appreciate the sensitivity of, of Coach Harbaugh I appreciate his compassion for Lamar, recognizing that he's in the spotlight all the time and rarely gets a break. As I say, I still get comments from people that are insulting and offensive almost every single day. And there are times when I have to physically take a breath and then emotionally remind myself, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what that person thinks. Even if what they said was hurtful, even if what they said in the moment feels like I'll never forget it. You know, the great thing about being a public figure is that you're inundated with this crap, which means that it all blends together after a while. I've honestly gotten to the point where even if it's something that, that stings and hurts, I can go to bed and wake up and not remember it because they all blend together. I've seen it all. So they all just kind of... Blend together into one big stream. It's amazing. It's, it's, I don't know when I developed that because I will tell you the first time I ever saw people uh, criticizing me in a chat room, I cried. It was, it was mean. It was ugly. It hurt. There were lies about me that weren't true. I couldn't do anything about it and I cried my eyes out. And even when I started this job 10 years ago here at CBS Sports Radio, I remember people came at me pretty hard and there were times when I replied, but I've just stopped doing it all together. Nothing to be gained. And Lamar's still young. He's still in his early 20s. I'm sure he wishes he could take it back. I appreciate that his coach is willing to work with him on this and to kind of stick up for him, to vouch for him. This is not who he is. That was, a, I, I love that John Harbaugh was willing to stand there in the gap for his quarterback. You can find me on Twitter. Haha, <laughs> just kidding.
1: Okay, picture this. post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
2: It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio.
1: You are listening
4: to the After Hours Podcast.
3: Darnold under center
0: receiver to each side. The snap, the fake to Foreman. Darnold backpedals under pressure, lobs it to the end zone,
5: and it's caught by DJ Moore for a touchdown.
6: It's unacceptable. Bottom line. You know this this uh, organization, this uh, this tradition here, this uh, you know um, everything else. It's uh, you know we, we got to honor it. You know we got to honor it by winning. Been inconsistent. We've been uh, had some good runs. We've had some good passing plays. We've had some we had some good moments, some really good moments, and then we've had you know some bad ones too, and allow us not to be successful. You know, and so we got to get the losing out of our system.
5: Off the field, on the money, and after hours, it's time to talk football with Amy Lawrence.
2: Is this rock bottom for the Denver Broncos? I'm not sure. Russell Wilson calls it unacceptable that they lost to the Carolina Panthers on Sunday in the return of Sam Darnold. Many other teams look exceptional against the Denver Broncos as this was not anything like what... John Elway, George Patton, Peyton, George Payton, the the new family, the the Walmart heirs family, the Walton Penner family, who paid, how much did they pay? 4.5 billion. What was it? 4.6 billion? You look up that number, please, producer Jay. Uh, This is not what they had in store. They're not the ones who traded for Russell Wilson, but the organization did go all in on Russ. And it's not just the draft picks and the capital, the players and the picks that they gave up. It's also the fact that they signed him to a, an enormous contract extension, the one that the Seahawks would not give him before they ever saw him play a down, a meaningful snap or a meaningful down in a Broncos uniform. They went ahead and bet the farm. And now their wagon is hitched to Russell Wilson's star for better or for worse. Tell me one team out there that is going to take that contract from the Denver Broncos. If if you're thinking trade. No one. No one in his right mind would do it. Unless the Broncos are willing to pay every last penny of the contract, which doesn't help them at all. I'm not saying that Russell Wilson is entirely to blame. That's not fair. It's never that simple. But the frustration is starting to boil over. We're going to talk with the Denver Broncos insider coming up later in the week. But if you were watching the game between the Broncos and Panthers, not sure why you would, but if you're watching the game, you may have seen that there was a, I don't want to call it dust up because that's not fair. There was a bit of a yelling match, a screaming match between Russ and and Mike Purcell, who's a defensive lineman. It was caught on camera, and they were both asked about it after the fact. It's not as though every teammate of Russ's is yelling and screaming at him, but there have certainly been rumblings coming out of Denver that his teammates don't relate to him very well, that he doesn't make himself one of the guys. What, we talked to our Jets insider earlier and he gave us the anecdote about Mike White playing cornhole with the offensive lineman during press conferences because he's just one of the guys. That matters on a football field. Mike Tomlin uses battle analogies all the time. And you'll hear those war analogies. For better or for worse, you may not like them. I understand if you don't. But you will hear those fight and battle and war analogies in the trenches. Guys going to battle, lined up shoulder to shoulder. In the heat of the moment, you've got your brothers with you. But that, that doesn't appear to be the type of camaraderie or relationship that Russ has established in Denver. And there were also those reports coming out of Seattle that they couldn't wait to get rid of him. That the locker room couldn't relate to him, especially after he got married to a, a model and an actress and a singer. And and I'm not begrudging him that. But there is definite disparity when you are a superstar of his caliber, or you were, and you're married to, I mean, similar to a Tom Brady, right? Except for he makes himself one of the guys. But yeah, it's, it's different. Guys in the locker room don't think, oh yeah, it's just me and Tom hanging out, we're BFFs. Nah, he's a completely different level unless he chooses to be one of the guys and the reports are generally that Russ does not choose that. So this encounter with Mike Purcell was a big topic of conversation because it represents to a lot of people, both in the industry and then fans watching, that there are a lot of cracks in this dam here. They're halfway through a season, the first season with Russ, and already... The lack of leadership the the disconnect is being exposed
6: mike and i are on the same page you know we um he came off uh you know after they they kicked the field goal and he he was he was pissed off he just said we gotta we gotta f and go you know and uh i I agree you know so me and him on the same page we you know there's no uh there's no uh animosity there at all we're on the same page We, we we gotta win you know we gotta come out here and have some uh some some grit to us, some mentality to us. We got to be able to win these, you know these these, these football games, and um, you know so those guys are out there battling every play. You know in offense, we got to be able to capitalize, and so um, so yeah, no, there, there's nothing there at all. I mean, me, me and him, there's, there was no, uh, no nothing there.
4: Frustration. We want to we want spark on something. It, 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 we, we all are in this together. Period. So you know, that's the quarterback of our offense. They're about to take the field. Obviously we let up a touchdown, so uh, we weren't doing our job, but gotta get a spark somewhere. So they're they're about to take the field, so that's all it was.
5: When we were up there, uh, obviously was addressing Mike on the personal foul that he had, talking with him as he passed by me, heard him say, you know, let's go, and uh, did not know that it was directed to any specific person, looked like it was just, he wanted everybody to start going and wanted to get a spark. Um, so that was really all that I heard. I talked with Mike after, talked with Russell, everybody. Everybody's good. Part of it, it's emotional game.
2: I do agree with that. I do. But also, there are reports that there is growing frustration and also a growing rift. That's the word I've seen used. That there is a disconnect between Russ and his teammates. And if you exacerbate the gap between your socioeconomic status and your superstar status and that of your, say, offensive linemen or your running backs. Well, that makes it worse when you're losing. I tell you a lot. Winning tends to bring everyone together. It's kumbaya. But losing either, it does one of two things. It either highlights your leadership and gives your leaders a chance to step up and lead through adversity, keep everybody together despite the fact that losing wears on you, or it does the opposite. It exposes your lack of leadership. I can't really speak yet to the leadership of Nathaniel Hackett, only to say that I think he's in over his head. I don't know that means he can't figure it out, but I don't think he was as prepared to be a head coach as what they were hoping. In the case of Russell Wilson... I know he's expressed some frustration of his own, but it certainly seems like he still keeps on this pasted smile with the let's ride, Broncos country, let's ride. Just it's, it's odd at times. But it doesn't matter what we think. It matters what the locker room thinks. And certainly it matters that every five seconds there's a question about Russ, his leadership, his play, how bad the offense is, and it's bad. So Nathaniel Hackett was asked on Monday whether or not this comes back to Russ's lack of confidence.
5: It's a combination of a lot of different things. Um, it is, there is some uh, semblance of newness with this whole group and we've had a lot of changes throughout the offense with different uh, people that have been out there playing with him Um, and we need to get him you know the confidence back to be able to make the plays that he can make Um, but he's uh, you know he's out there and he's fighting every single play you know I give him so much credit you know he's taking a bunch of hits um, and it's because he's trying to do everything he can to make a play so I appreciate that on how he's doing that and everybody's got to play better around him.
2: It's just not something that you see or hear in every locker room. Do you guys get along? Do you like him? Is it fine? How's your chemistry? And I'm not telling you that the media is right about this, only that the reports are out there and that the questions persist. And that in and of itself is a distraction the Broncos don't need. And remember, these players will talk to reporters on the DL. They'll send text messages. They've got a rapport with guys in the media. And if they can stay anonymous, a lot of times these things will leak. The Broncos, if this is not rock bottom, I, I don't know what is. Lowest scoring team in the league. They gave up so much to get Russell Wilson, and and they really can't get rid of him. It's not all on Russ. They've had they cut Melvin Gordon because of the fumbles. They've had injured receivers on and off the field. Jerry Judy hasn't been able to stay on the field in the last month. He's their best receiver. The offensive line is better. I like the O-line. So it's not just Russ. But they're the one, he's the one they're paying. 14.3 points per game. Lowest scoring team in the league. Ninth time this season against the Panthers when they've scored 16 or fewer points. And they now have eight losses. And it sure does seem like the playoff drought will continue. Despite everything they gave up. We're gonna talk more Denver Broncos with our insider Troy Rank, who will join us from Denver coming up on Wednesday night. We gotta get to the bottom of this. Like we did, a little investigative reporting about the Cardinals on last night's show. You can find us on Twitter after hours CBS, also on our Facebook page, vote for TD of the week coming up. Speaking of droughts, it's been eight years since USA soccer reached the knockout stage. Which is the round of 16, or I'm sorry, the group of 16 uh, in the World Cup two, two four four-year sessions ago. My gosh, it's been so long. Eight years in the making.
1: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours.
2: Coming up on Tuesday, their chance to get back to the group of 16.
4: You are listening to the After Hours Podcast.
5: After Hours with Amy
2: Lawrence. Okay, I just got crazy chills as in I'm so nervous, but I'm so excited about what's to come. Uh, this is this is the biggest game for the U.S. men's national team in eight years, obviously, since the last time they made the knockout stage at the World Cup. And here they are in Qatar on the verge, a game against Iran looming in mere hours. In fact, we're, t- we're talking about, what, nine hours from, well, nine hours and 13 minutes from now, nine hours from the top of the hours. It's, it's uh, yeah, this is going to be an opportunity for the U.S. to not only establish this young team as a group that can compete on the grandest stage in sports, but also give them incredible confidence. They are ahead of schedule, the youngest U.S. men's national team that we've ever sent to a World Cup, and here they are. After playing to a draw with England in front of 20 million people, second most watched U.S. men's soccer game in history, they did it. I know it was a draw, but that was that was the game they dominated. They were so close to scoring opportunities. And just weren't quite able to get it done. But England didn't score either. I loved every minute of that game. Except for I was a nervous wreck the entire time. And now Iran. It's After Hours with Amy Lawrence on CBS Sports Radio. There was some question marks about Tyler Adams being named the captain of this U.S. men's national team. 23 years old, no World Cup experience before this past week. And yet you can hear in an exchange with an Iranian reporter on Monday why he is in this position of leadership.
4: You say you support the Iranian people, but you're pronouncing our country's name wrong. Our country is named iran not Iran. Please, once and for all, let's get this clear. Second of all, um, are you okay to be representing a country that has so much discrimination against black people in its own borders? And uh, we saw the Black Lives Matter movement uh,
7: over the past few years. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, Yeah, that being said, you know there 's discrimination uh, everywhere you go um, you know one thing that I 've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures, is that in the u s we 're continuing to make progress uh, every single day I grew up in a in a white family with an obviously an african American heritage and background as well, so um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures and I, I was very very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures so um, you know not everyone has that that ease and uh, the ability to do that. And obviously it takes longer to understand and through education, I think it's, it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of of your country. So um, yeah, it's a, it's a process. I think as as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing.
2: Tyler Adams impressing in his captain's role for the U S men's national team. Responding with class with grace, even with professionalism though those are not questions you would generally expect to field when you're sitting on the eve and the cusp of the biggest game of your career. Now, there was another controversy, and maybe this is why the Iranian reporter was upset. Iran has actually requested that the U.S. men's team be suspended from the World Cup because briefly over the weekend there was a post on social media that featured the Iranian flag scrubbed out. And this was brought back to the soccer team, even though Greg Berhalter, the manager, says that it wasn't us.
4: I can only reiterate that the, the players and the staff knew nothing about what was being posted. Um, and, it, you know, sometimes things are out of our control. We believe that it's going to be a match, um, that the result will depend on, you know, who puts more effort in, who, who executes better on the field. And you know we're not focused on those outside things, and and all we can do on our behalf is apologize on behalf of the players and the staff. But it's not something
3: that um, you know that that we are part of. We're all human. We we understand that, that there are things going on um, that are that are out of our control, um, and so that that's where we find ourselves. We didn't know anything about the post, but we are supporters of women's rights. We we always have been. Um, we're you know, focused a lot on Tuesday from the sporting side as well, you know. Um, so you mentioned as a distraction. I think this is such a focus group on the task at hand. But at the same time, we empathize um, and we are firm believers in, in women's rights and support them. We understand and empathize with, you know, with, with the Iranian people. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, we are still having to focus on what is our job um what we've been, you know, preparing to do, what we've been um focused on for for many, many years.
2: This is the youngest team in US history and one of the youngest at the World Cup, and yet they have the opportunity to advance to the round of 16. They have multiple scenarios in which they can advance, but here's the deal you win and you are through. That's what it takes. And so back to Tyler Adams talking about actual soccer if there's going to be maybe some extra emotion on the field because of what's on the line. They've got to be ready.
7: It's great to know that we've put ourselves in a position to decide our, our own fate. Um, I think that going into this game, we need to be mentally prepared. Uh, Iran played an, an unbelievable game today against Wales. We know that they're going to have you know some strength, some power, some energy coming into this game because they know also that if they get a result that they're in, so most likely. So um, for us, we, we need to control what we can control, but uh, we're going to be ultra-aggressive to go out there and play our game.
3: What is on the line is is advancing into the knockout stages, um, and if if that's not enough to get to get our guys up, then um, you know I think we have issues. But I, I don't think that's going to be a problem in, in getting up and, and understanding what this game means to to the team.
2: Ooh. Uh, maybe I'm the only one who's nervous, but I feel like in the past there have been some pretty massive matches in which the U.S. has not performed well. It's not the same team. It's not the same manager. Uh, it's just. I'm almost afraid to hope because of what happened against Trinidad and Tobago. But you hear Tim Reem as well as Walker Zimmerman. Uh, these guys are as prepared as they can possibly be, and they've been working toward this for quite a while. So what is the mindset heading into this Tuesday game?
3: I don't think it changes, to be honest with you. I think we all knew it at some point. You, you have to win a, a group stage match to, to move on. And so um, the fact that it's now the last game, we know, again, we, we have to win. And, and um, that's what the knockout, the knockout stages bring. You, you have to win the games to, to continue to move on. And so I think it's, it's a, good, a good position for this group. Um, I think guys are excited. They're embracing it um, and, and mentally prepared for it. And I think that's a, a good place to be.
2: Oh, yeah. Bring it on. 2 o'clock Eastern time. Are you trying to throw me off? I have been to U.S. men's soccer qualifiers and the atmosphere is awesome. 20 million people watched the game against England. They played to a draw, but it was a huge, huge victory for the U.S. because they were a massive underdog. They've got to get a goal. They've got to get a goal and prevent a goal. How hard can it be? (laughs) I'm just, I'm totally kidding because I'm nervous. I say stupid stuff when I'm nervous.